0: Welcome to Alien Minute, the daily podcast where we carefully dissect the
1: movie Alien one minute at a time. I'm John Engel. And I'm Mitch Bryan. And today we're looking at Minute 72, which begins with the opening of the airlock and ends with Dallas making his way through an air vent. And once again, we're joined by Marlon West, uh, co-head of effects animation at Disney Animation Studios. Uh, Welcome back, Marlon.
2: Hey, thrilled to be back. Thanks for having me.
1: So um, we start this minute with this really dynamic pullback away from this door, uh, it looks almost like it could be a point of view shot. But again, we, of course, are tricked into thinking that for just just an instant. And it comes all the way back to reveal two characters stepping up into frame. So again, it's Ridley Scott asserting the fact that he's got this camera that can do anything it damn well pleases.
2: (laughs) Anywhere in this environment. And, you know, this is a... Uh, another moment and 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 actually one of the few that actually goes from this kind of modern light that could be you know from um 2001 it's very very modern design into this creepy dark hiding place that ash and ripley are in all within one shot you're going from like this really modern part of the spaceship into this kind of dark dank part of the spaceship uh, and, you know in, in, in a space physical space of like 20 feet 20 30 feet it also introduces another really great futuristic take on a very uh, kind of old-fashioned thing is that the creaky door with those with the with the stainless steel irises that you see in this sequence that you know they, <laughs> it, you know and, and it's it, they create such menace and 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 it's like a creaky old door in a haunted house but it's like the most futuristic kind of take on it and you know the thing looks dangerous it sounds super duper creepy and you know i i I love it and it's one of these things in the film that's just it's kind of both new and old
1: yeah like what other than a camera uses an iris like can you think of any mechanical things you've ever seen that actually opts for the iris as the type of structure to build a door with? Uh, No, no.
2: And, you know, and I realize that this is actually an air duct and people aren't supposed to be really crawling around in there, but uh, uh, is an iris really
0: airtight or light? No, it it leaves a hole right in the middle of it. Right in the middle, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So you're definitely not closing (laughs) off the airway uh, if that's...
2: yeah, super duper cool and creepy. And you know, it has this, it, you know, it has this visual cue of telling you there's you know you, you can't come back this way, you know, or or it, it's shutting you down because you're this opening is literally mechanically closing on you as opposed to just shutting, you know, and it, it takes so long. I've never really timed it, but like every time they cut to one of these things, it's like it's like you know. 36 to 48 frames long you know it's
1: like oh man yeah and i always wonder whether whether it's one iris door and they're just getting a ton of mileage out of it you know just the now the oh. moment in front of the camera now we're going to put it back at the end of the hallway now we're going to just do a couple of just freestanding shots of it you know there probably well, was I, only one
2: I, I know from wrigley scott's you know director commentary you know like from like 1999 this this air duct is like 30 feet long with like with like a, with with a cross section in it. And Dallas, if they use the same ladder, they go through the same space, that's the same iris door over and over again. And uh, yeah, so yeah, that, that is a very, very small set that Tom Skerritt is crawling around in and it's the same 30 foot chunk of tube throughout the whole sequence.
1: Yeah, there seems to be a lot of trickery going on in terms of of not giving us any more information that we need in terms of knowing where everybody is. I mean, not only does it add tension, but it also disguises the fact that their resources are fairly limited. Because when we go to that that shot of the floodlight, the spotlight that, that Parker and Lambert have, and then it's kind of illuminating the first of these iris vents I guess I'm to assume that Dallas just crawled in there and there they went with him or like I'm I'm instantly confused in terms of where anybody is in this thing. Well, I think
0: that's significant because uh, to get back to some other stuff like the scripts, earlier scripts and and so on, this plan is laid out a little bit neater in a lot of different versions of the story. And uh, you really I honestly have never really given it a ton of thought. Uh, what the plan was here? Partially, I think, because of my reading of the last uh, minute, where I knew that Dallas was screwed. Like, well, this is a this is a fool's errand. I don't really think I care what the plan is here. I mean, it, it's really just a scene meant to build tension and and bring us to the demise of a, of a major character. But I do I think yeah. that's a that's kind of an a, an appropriate omission to get rid of this plan like let's not lay out the plan let's not let the audience know where they are and why they're where they are uh too distinctly because i think the labyrinthian idea here is what they're really getting at anyway so, oh yeah i mean
2: they're, they're really getting at just you know everybody's lost and they're experiencing this thing by themselves or in groups of twos um they don't know where their others are they're not really making eye contact you know with with one another know dallas is lost he's on his own in this tiny little space that he can't walk in he can't run in. he can't stand up straight in it's just so dank, you know and he's got like a flamethrower in one hand and a floodlight in the other and that's about all the lighting information you get down there where he is and i you know i guess going back to some you know minutes in the 60s or so he was the plan was to her the alien into an air duct and flush it into space, roughly.
1: Yeah, I mean, you get yeah. The, you get the basic plan, which but... I assume is is that and that's the first place that we see when the camera pulls back and that and the door shuts and they that's... said they they're sealing off the airlock. I think that's the same room where uh, Ash let everybody in right when he wasn't supposed to. Yeah, so that's yes, the, I guess so. so that's the room somehow. They're going to try to get the alien into that room and then open up the, the door and suck him off into space, I guess. So,
0: so I guess Ripley and Ash are stationed where they are in order to quickly open the airlock when the alien enters that like staging room that's just outside the airlock door, right? So they've opened that door. There's a staging room that's now, as soon as they open the door, the outer whole door all the whole thing becomes the airlock. And they gave Ash that job because we know he's so good at opening the <laughs> yeah, door. Yeah, right? He's already established that he's very good at opening that door. Lambert and Parker, I think are, are set up where Dallas is driving the alien. Like you mentioned a minute ago, Mitch, that your assumption was that Dallas just went in there and that could be true because it could be a circular thing. But um, I'm thinking that they're sitting there waiting and, and Parker's ready with that incinerator for that alien to come out there and then they incinerate it in the direction of the airlock. I'm assuming they're just outside of the airlock room too. This is all just speculation because again, I don't think that it's meant to be laid out exactly what this no. has happened. But I'm wondering, this is one of those things that we're going to throw out to the listeners. Come on Facebook tomorrow and tell us what the plan was. If you know what, <laughs> what you think it was.
2: I'd be curious to read some of those because I I think this, this sequence is Construct it to just be very, very stressful and and and, and deny you information that doesn't matter like, except to kind of get under your skin. You know, as far as where people are, what they're really thinking, and you know, physically, what exactly which is going on. It's 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 confusing. You don't know where people are in relationships to, to one another, and. You know and it doesn't have a ton of just like you know violins kind of like you know shrieking to kind of get you super stressed out by it you know there's some music cues that i think they come into this in like minute 73 uh, but right now this is actually just pretty plain straight and um, yeah it's and it's and they're making very good use of you know this very limited space you know i know that for the purposes of this conversation because i've seen this movie a bunch of times but i never once looked at this film going is that the same hole over and over again i was in there completely you know and i guess another thing you know this is this is not a two-story set anywhere in this film it's like a one-story set on you know that they were shooting in so anytime somebody goes down a ladder or ladder, that that actor is actually scrunching down on the other side of it or acting or, you know, or, or suggesting that they're going downstairs or going upstairs because they're, you know, this is a set that didn't have two stories. When, when Dallas is actually, you know, shooting the uh, flamethrower downward, you know, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that the shot of the flamethrower coming down is that same floor he's on being shot from above.
1: And I think the other thing that keeps us feeling so claustrophobic is, well, the shots with Parker and Lambert are essentially long lens shots, even the two-shot. There's there's no depth of field, so they feel pressed in. And then when we go to Ash and Ripley, that's also a really claustrophobic two-shot, and her close-up is extremely claustrophobic as well. So everything is, in fact, the most space anybody sees is the open space on the open dark space on either side of dallas so it's really a great a great strategy to try to make us feel all closed in well yeah
0: i definitely wanted to talk about the framing of ripley and ash here as well because when we cut into this two shot of them like you said mitchell yeah it's really tight their bodies are you know the way it's composed their bodies are kind of blended together um but ash's profile is very distinct like he's very it's very much a full side profile of him and uh, ripley is more active he's very still he's very he's completely motionless staring straight forward ripley however is more active and uh, we know already from previous minutes that she's going to be more invested in this and i was going to say that this kind of reminded me i might be reaching a little bit here but it kind of reminds me of a of a, sorry, a photo negative, maybe is not the right way to put it, but an opposite sort of reading of the famous shot from Bergman's persona, where you're getting Liv Ullman, and I'm going to forget the other actress's name, uh, where their faces literally blend together, one's in full profile and one's looking straight at the camera with this, oh, um, yeah. with the idea of they're one and the same, right? That's the idea of that shot. And here I think it's similar, but you're getting the exact opposite because you're getting dichotomy. Or they're blended together, they're in the same space, but she is clearly in a different headspace than Ash is. And we know why, but I think that there's a little bit of a reading, like, I think Scott, by composing it this way, was trying to convey this idea, another little early bit of foreshadowing as to uh, Ash's motivations. And then we're getting, again, more increased Activity, we're getting more uh, investment, emotional investment from Ripley as the story goes on. Yeah, I mean,
2: even first time through, and certainly when you watch this movie, like we all have, and anybody who's listening to this cast podcast has, uh, you know, there's these hints that, you know, Ash is not who he's cracked up to be, who he, you know, and that there's something up with this guy. But even the first time through, especially after that scene with Mother, we just discussed. Something is going on with Ash. You've got, you know, Ripley starting to emerge as a person, a real heart and in, in, in character. And you've got Lambert, who's you know, almost the most realistic, kind of shrill character that is telling you what's going on in this sequence. And you're starting to be kind of people are really starting to reveal themselves as real humans, and you've got a guy who is otherwise. Completely motionless, completely devoid of emotion, and especially in the context of that scene with mother, you start to really realize that this guy is is not right, you know,
1: at all. I think another thing that Ash has contributed to this is that uh, tracker that we finally get to see what the screen looks like. Uh, that becomes the the other element of suspense in this sequence. And uh, Lambert yes. seems to be manning that piece of equipment, right? Indeed. Oh, Mitch, this was a question I was going to throw out. It just occurred to me:
0: um, How many times have we had something like this before Alien, where the, this source of tension, suspense, as you as you put it, is used in this way? because it's now it's as common as can be. Like the idea of this right. tracking device beeping, telling us you know beeping faster as the thing gets closer. I'm kind of wondering if. Uh, I wish I would have thought about this before the episode began. Maybe we would have cut up with an
1: example. There must be a Star Trek episode with some sure kind there's... of a tracker thing, right?
2: But, but this is the iconic scene. I mean, yeah. it, there, there have been other uh, moments uh, in, in films where somebody has got a tracker or, 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 and then it's not working. And that's the other thing. I'm watching, <laughs> I had to digress, but watching this sequence again in, the, in preparation for talking with you, you gents, it's like, is that tracker just lame because it's been cobbled together is it programmed not to really work mm. is the <laughs> is the biology of this alien can he cloak himself because he certainly seems to be able to be present i mean you know and not be seen i you know it's, it's very strange watching the sequence again like the withholding of information as to like what exactly is going on here? Do we have like faulty equipment? Do we have like operator error, like where she's freaking out because she's afraid for for Dallas, or can the alien cloak himself? Is is, is, he, is he is he is he able to not be seen?
0: I think all four. I think there were four <laughs> things that you put out as possibilities there. All four of them are, are have a lot of credence. Three of them are entirely established within the film up to this point in the film. Like, I think that you could... The the cloaking part, that is a little bit more speculative, though I think it has a lot of credence. I could very much see that as an evolutionary trait of the alien. But uh, we've we've established that... That's one of the things I wanted to talk about coming up. We've established that Lambert is the nervous sort. I kind of don't understand why she's the one doing this. This really does (laughs) seem like if you trust Ash... He should be the one manning this thing, right? He invented he's, it. He invented it. He's the one that's not. He's the one that we've seen. Uh, he, he's got lots of experience reading screens. He has everybody's screen like on his console as they're landing and so on. So we know he's adept at that. So the Lambert nervousness, I think that's a big part of how they create tension in this entire sequence. And I do think you're probably right that he did not mean to make. I think that this thing might not have been made up to. Uh, spec. I think that it might have purposely been made not to work very well. Yeah,
2: I, I I think Ash probably had a hand in this not being completely successful and I I know Wrigley Scott probably uh, as a filmmaker certainly did not want Ash narrating he's coming this way, he's coming this way, you know, you. I mean the, the movie is, this, this section is really scary because of Lambert saying go this way, go that way, and the way she's saying it it's scary because she's telling you it's scary i don't see him he's not there. he's got to be there you know that that is why that is like so so horrifying um and yeah but like i said it 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 took me you know watching this movie over and over again to even come up with that fourth speculative thing that this you know this alien we we know so little about the this alien that you know it's got you know, it gestates inside of a host. It's got, you know, acid for blood. It can grow super fast. It it can, you know, in other movies, it looks like it's got four legs because it grew inside of a dog. So it's so you you only get the tip of the iceberg of what this creature is capable of. And, uh, you know, you know, and I don't want to get ahead of my minutes, but, um, it, you know, there, there, there seems to be there's, there's a lot that suggests that this alien is a much more intelligent, even though it's a monster eating, killing people, than than um, the movie, than the story really has time to deal with. But there's a lot of clues that, in the production design and and the, the way things are constructed that suggest that this alien kind of may be on the ball.
1: Yeah, and if and if that tracker, if all it really is keen off of is motion, then then it seems like pretty logical that if the alien stopped and leans into a panel with its biomechanical <laughs> looks anyway, I mean, it, it damn near turns into the ship at the, at the climax of the movie. Um, yeah. It may be just waiting for Dallas to come to it.
2: it
0: indeed.
1: Well, I was going to say that's probably
0: what happens. I mean, we're getting a little head, but yeah. I think you're probably yeah. right, Mitch. I never really thought about it that way.
2: But yeah, the, the alien is waiting for Dallas
1: to come to it. Do you have anything else for this minute? We can move on if you guys want. I'm I'm ready to move on. Yeah, we can move on. By all means, gents.
0: All right. Well, uh, as usual, you can find us at AlienMinute.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. You can follow us on Twitter at AlienMinutePod, on Instagram at AlienMinutePodcast. And uh, we want to give a shout out, as we usually do, to Star Wars Minute uh, for discovering or inventing this format that they're letting us borrow. And uh, there are many other minute format podcasts. You can find them at Uh, moviesbyminutes.com. They're good shows. You should check them out over there. All right, well, that's going to do it for Minute 72. We'll see you tomorrow for 73.